0: scotty stutch here tonight with my buddy anthony arlotta from massachusetts what's up anthony
1: what's up scott how you doing
0: <laughs> good 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 so uh yeah finally we get to sit down and uh do our interview we talked many times on the phone and uh now we can uh share with the audience you know um some of the stuff we were speaking about
1: absolutely too bad we didn't record uh, all the uh, hours we talked on the phone but, yeah uh,
0: could have multiple episodes. Yeah. So I guess we'll just we'll start with the uh, the early years. You know, who was Anthony as a kid? Um, growing up, um, what did you enjoy doing? You know, what type of kid were you?
1: I was always uh, so. I grew up good family. I grew up um, Italian parents. Um, my father was a hard worker. Had a, a grocery food and produce store, wine big wine grape distributor. And I worked for him, and growing up in my life, uh, the whole family worked there. So it was kind of like it was fun. It wasn't a job, but working for your family—it's you know, it's an experience that you uh, you learn uh, at a young age. Business, which I think is good for kids—you know, learning uh, the skills, uh, seeing—you know—he had the biggest small business in the area. So uh, it taught me a lot, and uh, the, uh, with the whole family working, there was like twenty of us working there on both sides uh, of our family. And uh, it was a good—I uh, had a good upbringing. School—I was always in trouble at school, always getting into fights. You know, you know, wise guy type stuff, just running around and skipping school, getting in trouble. Um, I like to play sports. I was big into sports.
0: What sports are you play?
1: I was, uh, I played hockey for 10 years and I played all the other sports um, competitively. Not, you know, I played baseball, basketball, football, all of them during the seasons. You know, we played uh, this neighborhood against another neighborhood. And um, so I was a big sports fanatic and I was also uh, a fanatic with uh, professional sports. I was, uh, you know, really involved in all my, uh, the Boston teams uh the four uh, boston teams in the area and uh sports was my big thing sports was the number one thing that consumed me growing up other than doing what every kid does i didn't like school i hated school never brought books home so never studied but if you talk to me about sports i really like sports so uh that was like and i love playing sports so up until around my whole life actually I, I you know i played sports but up until 16 i played League sports, and uh, I enjoyed that. That was like, uh, you know, that that was my my what I love to do, playing sports, and and also, you know, obviously we're talking street stuff. I I used to bet on sports at a young age. Um, but yeah, sports, you know, hanging around, you know, other troublemakers and getting in trouble and working for my father. That was my younger years.
0: Yeah, like um, me and you talked. So pretty much me and you have a very common story coming up. Uh, I grew up in my dad's restaurant. Him, and my mother, they started uh, the family business when I was just born. They had um, a local restaurant and bar, and um, it really took off after they started it up. Really popular locally. So I grew up in the family business as well. Started as a busboy when I was like 13. Um, like yourself... I got thrown out of three Catholic schools growing up. I was uh, kind of always in the mix of trouble somehow, some way, just doing dumb stuff like pranks and just uh, always seemed to find trouble where it was at. It just just always attracted me. I just always got lured into the trouble. And um, as far as sports goes, I tried out football, uh, baseball, all the sports, and the only one I was good at was hockey. So it's funny we have that in common as well. We used to yeah. play street street hockey out in the streets, yeah. rollerblades, and then I converted it on the ice. I got really good at that, and um, I like to fight, so, you know, kind of went hand in hand with one another, so. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the one
1: sport you could fight and, you know, not get in trouble for.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they, they say, like, the UFC's tough, but, you know, you don't wear gloves when you get in a hockey fight. Yeah. So it is, brutal. Pretty, it is, it is pretty brutal um you know yeah, we, and you which, don't get fined
1: I mean you get a penalty you get a five minute misconduct you know but uh like you know if you got into a fight in baseball basketball football they they suspend you I mean hockey was like fighting was part of the game
0: yeah it was it was like you know that that like when I stopped playing hockey I think that's when my addiction kind of started taking its course because I didn't know how to channel my anxiety and my anger and my aggression and all that when I got my like mid-twenties, I didn't have that hockey to take my aggression out and stuff like that. And I think when I stopped playing hockey, I filled that void with drugs and alcohol and my new addictions going out and stuff like that. So instead
1: um, of like, you know, a lot of people, they'll get into, you quit hockey and, you know, maybe get into the gym, you know, and go for a a jog, you know, go for jogging, you know, running and try to get it out. But going from that to nothing, you can see where there's a void where you need it, you know, to be filled.
0: Yeah. And as me and you were talking yesterday on the phone, we were talking about, you know, the different types of clientele. Like I grew up in the bar business and you grew up in the like grocery business. We were talking yesterday and growing up, I was around all different types of people. I was around people. I was introduced from my father that he used to hang out with, business owners, doctors. And then there was like some people that he knew that were kind of in somewhat organized crime. And um, for some reason, I always wanted to be more like the guys that had the quick cash, the women around them, the flash, not go to college and apply myself and be like a doctor, a lawyer or something that is respectable. I wanted to be the guy that, you know, had all that flash and glam and all that stuff. And, you know, it's like power versus success. Um, The doctor has success where the organized crime figure has the power and the success and is living that glam life, but one's temporary and one's permanent.
1: But you know what, Scott? It's like, who doesn't at at a young age want that? I mean, we put it like, okay, your father had criminals and organized crime figures. Okay, same thing with my family, but take that away. What kid doesn't want the money, the woman, the nice cars, you know, millions of dollars, You know, what kid growing up really doesn't want that? And when you see it in our uh, growing up with uh, organized crime figures, it just makes it worse for us because we're seeing it where it can be done on an illegal way, whereas a normal kid growing up sees, you know, other multimillionaires that are legitimate, that own super uh, uh, grocery stores, chains of them, or restaurants, chains of them. They grow up thinking how to do it the legal way. You know, the same thing with their fathers. Their fathers know mega millionaire millionaires and they look to try to become them because they live when it all becomes, you said power, power is money. Whether it's, yeah, they're not killing people or, but, but they don't have to risk going to prison either, but they still have money. So there's nothing, you know, they might have a private jet. Organized crime guys ain't got a private jet. You know they might have uh you know houses everywhere you know because they have the money and so with us growing up around organized crime we seen that where they get respect and they have the money and so it's like a path you want to follow and then what happens is when you follow that path sure it's a great path you can make money but you end up in prison and that's the difference of uh because everybody wants to aspire to have millions of dollars i mean as a youngster growing up, I mean, you want to make money. You want to become rich. You want to take care of your family, and uh, you know, we just saw a side. Uh, I saw a side that was, for me, an easy the easy way to make it. Which and is I you think, know
0: the. Cr- I think that comes down to like the word instant gratification. That's part of my addictive personality. I think, um, yeah. like you said, when we were younger. We didn't want to go to school for eight years and wait for the success. When you see right. guys that like we talk about that, like organized crime figures, and stuff like that, they're out just hustling. They make their money. They got the girls with them. They got the flashy cars. They got the stuff. And you know, you can get right into that at an early age. If you want, you don't have to wait. You don't have to go to college. You just have to right. build up your reputation.
1: Right. And the money's there and it's a lot of money. And if you have a, uh, any type of, uh, common sense or a brain, it's very easy to make money on the streets. Um, you know, if you're a salesman, then the streets, you're just gonna, you're gonna blow up on the streets. If you know how to sell, then the that's all the streets are is, uh, you know, selling a product and you have access just to more and more, you know, to your own network of people. But anybody you bump into in life, whatever your product is, you're selling it. If you're a salesman, you'll blow up on the streets. Um, as far as, uh, you know, you know, street crime goes, it's, uh, is it the, you know, the way to go? I I don't know, but if you're not hurting people or harming people, you can make a lot of money on the streets. The same thing that the government, uh, is doing, in other words, they're not unethical crimes. If you, uh, if you want to bet a sports game, sporting event, you go to the casino well, if you're a, a young kid and you're in college, you can take uh, other young kids. They want to bet this, you know, football game. You could take their bet. Uh, somebody wants to borrow money from a bank. They can go to a bank and borrow money. Well, if somebody's short on funds for Christmas, for you know, they want to buy their family Christmas presents, maybe a couple of thousand. You can loan them the money at an interest rate. You know, credit card companies, banks, all loan out money. You want to play the number at the store? You can go to. Uh, the, the local uh, bodega or the local convenience store and you can play your number where you can play the number with you too so if you're a salesman and you go out and sell all those products you're giving the consumer a lot better of a deal than they would have if they're going to the actual casinos you know with, with, with sports they can bet on credit so there's a lot of uh, allure, lowering things for the streets to get into and uh, to me I think it's uh' For me, I would uh, I loved it. I would do it again, except for, you know, joining any type of uh, a gang or an organization where there's violence becomes involved. That's where I think the, uh, because everybody, I, in my opinion, wants to make money. In my opinion, if you told somebody they could make $5 million in, 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 in three years and their risk was to go to jail for a couple of years, I think 90% of people would take the risk. Now, if you had to go to jail for 40 years, that's a different story.
0: Yeah, that's our conversation we had last week, me and you on the phone. You know, as we said, we talk on the phone quite often. And, you know, I, I wish we got some of those on tape. But um, the, uh, the thing is, is we were talking about having that success and gaining that power without having to apply violence. Right. You know, every, everybody wants wealth. Everybody wants to be rich. You know, there's different ways of handling it than your old-fashioned organized crime where violence had to be applied. And like exactly. you were saying, right. there's a big difference between when it comes down to it and you got to go to court. When you have a violent offense or a non-violent offense, you know, it's a lot longer sentencing. Right. So, you know, I was always taught try and be that guy that everybody wants to work for. So, like, people see that you're successful... People are gonna be like, I wanna work for that guy. He's a winner. You know, he he's the one out outplaying everybody. Right. It's like Frank, it's like Frank Sinatra said, the best revenge you can get on somebody is massive success.
1: Right. And you wanna be with them. So do all like the girls wanna be with them. Girls wanna be with successful guys, high value men, they wanna be with them. Everybody wants to be with them. So it's like uh, the more successful you are. The more people you're gonna attract around you. There's a guy in my area, multimillionaire. And you ever see the show The Shark Tank, where they come to the Shark Tank with uh, deals, and they refuse a lot of them, but they'll get maybe one out of twenty, and that's the uh, that, that that's a great maybe the next billion dollar industry type of a deal. But they get so many people when you got money, so many, and you're successful. Everybody wants to be near you just like if you're broke or you're on your way up and coming you want to be around those guys that are successful because they can open up doors whatever your business is they can open up doors for your type of business that you're in so it's the networking i think is a is a huge like the people around you the people you know what you you aspire to be is rich and 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 the majority of the millionaires in the world are legitimate (laughs) You don't see uh, the organized crime or the drug dealer retiring peacefully with all of his millions of dollars. In fact, on paper, they probably don't even list that they got a million dollars. Or you know, they probably do some of them, but I mean, they don't. They don't last. So I would say they're the rarity. They're like under one tenth of one percent, one one hundredth of one percent of the millionaires. So the, the you know everybody wants to become rich. Everybody wants the uh, to be powerful money is power being having money is uh is is being powerful
0: yeah absolutely i mean you're just saying about um it never ends well for like that life i can't name any mob movies that ever ended with an actual ending where it said they went on to success you know each mob movie came with an ending that it was either you know dead jail or you know just their their career as a criminal was over the, yeah. life was over.
1: Right. And, 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 you know, it's a great thing. Uh You know, organized crime is a great thing. If there was, you know, it's like a secret society. It's, that's great. Um It's like networking and there's only an elite, a few people that could join that, which is great. The bad thing is, is people die. People get, you know, the violence in that. And, you know, it brings on, life sentences you know it brings on you know 30 40 50 year sentences life sentences which eternally internally kills the organization if you had uh, a, the same organized crime and they adapted the way they did now if they did that 20 you know 30 years ago they'd be the most powerful group in the world you know and that's if they why i
0: just... Me and you were talking, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but me and you were talking about like modern day, like you don't really see much about, you know, the mob in the news lately or anything like that, but it's because they were smart enough to now start doing things legitimately with the money that was left from the older generations. Well, well,
1: they're not just doing it legitimately. They're not killing people. That's the big thing. That's the, you know, they're still doing illegal things. They're still doing the feds. The the government doesn't care. Yes, they're going to come at you. They're gonna come at you uh, for sports bookmaking. I mean, you got to be super big for them to come at you. And but the main reason that they come at you, there was some sort of underlining uh, violence involved in that. And when you, you know, even if you if you uh, crack someone's head and put them in a the hospital for six months, they're coming for you. That that's violence. But when you kill somebody, it's even worse. And the reason it's worse is because. Now they look at it, they're drooling because now they got a a murder case for them. They don't care about who died. They don't care about who killed them. They don't care about none of that. What they care about, it's going to be a big case. A big case means a big promotion where they want to go. They have aspirations, too. You know, they want to be U.S. attorneys. They want to be judges. They want to get become, you know, with a major corporation and, and being, you know, like CEO or something. So they have aspirations to get in that life also. So they don't care about nothing else. And when you drop a body, that's their the feather in the cap when they get the conviction. If you're not dropping bodies, they arrested. There's nothing that the mob does that can put you in jail for a long time if there's no violence in it. Nothing. That's why I'm saying I would go back to the lifestyle and a heartbeat just no violence and don't join, you know, because the racketeering, you know, they give you their 20 years, but they only come at you. If you notice all the racketeering cases that they give those guys 20 years plus an handsome five years and 10 years on and after they get 35 years, there's violence involved. You know, they might be beat a murder, the murder of the racketeering, but they got convicted of all the other stuff. So the racketeering, they get 20. Then they get five, 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 ten. They end up getting hit with a thirty-five-year sentence. That's because the government knew they killed six, seven people and they got away with it. So the violence is the uh, is the thing that um, it, it brings the uh, the law enforcement down. And you notice what did they do with the Italians? I mean, they came out Italians from the for forever, right? Now the Italians aren't killing people no more. They're going after all the other the gangs now. You know what I'm saying? Because what are the gangs doing? They're killing people. So they're doing these big RICO cases, you know, Latin Kings, RICO case against the Bloods, because that's the same thing. Uh, They're not, they're gangs. They're not organization or, you know, whatever, like the mafia. But it's still, they groups them under that RICO law.
0: And yeah, I mean, you could be like, as we're trying to promote right now is like the nonviolent approach. You can be really successful without having to use that muscle You just have to, you outplay the players, (laughs) you know, you, you, the guy that's down the street, that's, you know, Oh, I want to be like him. No, you don't want to be like him. You want to be better than him. You want him to be, you want him to be like, Holy shit. I got competition now. Like this guy's taking all my business. You want to be, you want to outplay the players. You want to be the guy that everybody wants to come to work for. You want to be the guy that everybody's like, you know, this guy's coming into town. He's taking over everything. Right. And not having to do it a violent approach using right. your brain,
1: and with organized crime, you know it's it's legitimate businesses also involved with that, not just street stuff. And the street stuff that organized crime does is nobody really else does it. You know, you got sports gambling, loan sharking, numbers. Uh, then you go, then you go into the you know business side of it. Who really does that? No, no other gang or organization does that. So they had a monopoly on all of that but you could also do that in a way where there's no violence and you could last for forever because it's business.
0: Yeah. And it's like, there's certain aspects of the life that, you know, it's stupid to even want to get into now. Like, you know, like sports gambling, every casino has sports booking inside their casinos. Now, why would you even want to get involved and entangled in that? There's all the apps you can go on now and bet on games and get paid out right then.
1: The only thing the, the the street guys got for them is the uh, you got to put up your money with them. So the sports gambling is still going to always be around with uh, organized crime or whoever wants to get involved in that because they give credit. You could bet whatever, however big your uh, sports book is, but it, you know if you got a big enough book, you can you can bet five thousand a game. You can give a guy a fifty thousand dollar credit limit; he doesn't have to put up a penny. And 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 betters like that, you know, betters like credit. You know, like I, you know, they start the week on a Monday, it ends on a Sunday, they settle up on a Tuesday, and win or lose, you know, so so they don't have to, you know, go you know go and put up their if they want to bet five thousand on the game, they don't gotta put fifty five hundred off. To win the five thousand out of their own pocket, they can just call up and say, or go on the computer, and I want fifty-five hundred to win five thousand on the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So that's why you'll still see sports gambling not go away. It'll be it'll be watered down because a lot of these degenerates are going to go to the casino and blow a lot of money, and then they're going to look to bet with the with the the street guys to try to you know you know they're going to use their cash to bet at the sports books because they have to, but they're going to use the credit to bet with the street guys. And that's where there's going to be some problems that come in with that.
0: Which I think for the street guys, it's a no brainer. It's high risk because now how do you collect back in the day? Somebody didn't pay. You go in the bar that they're sitting and you go slap them around. Now you try doing that. Somebody's got a camera phone out, it's on YouTube, yeah. bar fight, or a guy getting jumped in a bar, it's right. too high risk. And it's yeah. not it's not a good it's not a good turnover. So like you have some guy that owes you five grand, why would you even want to get involved with that when like we were talking the other day about legitimate businesses getting involved in running construction crews, flipping flipping homes that are up for sheriff sale and uh right. tax sale and stuff like that. Like that's a legitimate business. That's got a high right. turnover flip. And if you're like street mentality, like we were talking, you know, that'd be something that is low risk for us to have to worry about having to go in and using violence as an approach right. to try and get our point across or to collect our money.
1: Exactly. Use your influence for, use your influence to infl- infiltrate legitimate businesses not in a bad way, in a good way, offer a service that the business is going to want to do business with you. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, and then grow and, uh, and, and last out here rather than, you know, if, if a, nor- if, if a guy that's normal, just a normal, uh, man and, uh, somebody like bets the game with him. And like you said, he goes into the bar and cracks his head with, uh, with a, uh, a baseball bat, he, you know, he breaks his arm or whatever. If an organized crime does it, the organized crime guy is going to get 15 years in prison. I've seen a guy in my area, you know, over violence with all oh, that shit gets 16 years. So the other guy, maybe get probation. You know, the, and he's a nobody. He, you know, they, it, it wasn't about anything. It was a, it was a fight. The guy, he, he thought he pulled out a knife. He hit him with it, you know, whatever. There's there's no history of son. So that's the difference. And uh, that's why violence is... Uh, you know, going forward and if I could go back, going back, I would uh, eliminate that from, you know, the violent part. And you, listen, the millions and millions and millions of dollars that you can make, I I see these kids today and they're making all the money on the internet doing, you know, and we we're I was making that kind of money back in the 90s. There was no internet. There was real money, the old-fashioned way. You had to go out and hustle it.
0: Well, I'd love to see, like, you know, I have nothing but respect for, you know, a lot of people look at me funny for saying this, but a lot of people in organized crime, I have a high level of respect for. It's interesting to me. You know, I think it's it's really interesting what they pulled off when they pulled it off. But I would like to see historically if, like people like Al Capone, Carlo Gambino, Vito Genovese, those guys are around now, they wouldn't. Be, I don't know if they would be able to pull off some of the stuff that I don't. I don't think at all they would be able to pull off any of that stuff that they pulled off back then.
1: Scott. Everybody's, you know, you see these guys going, oh, the old-timers would be turning in their graves with the way the mob is today. And uh, the old-timers and this – let me tell you, son. They say the smartest gangsters ever were Carlo Gambino, Tony Accardo from Chicago, and there's a bunch of other ones, right? Never, you know, whatever. They want to last two years today. With the – growing up in the you know, when their era, if they were made – you know, if they grew up when the Rico came out and – don't forget, in the 60s, listening devices were illegal to, in, to plant in uh, social clubs. But back in the 60s, the FBI, before it became legal, I think they came legal in the 60s. But uh, in Chicago, there was a lot of murders. And uh, they wanted to know, you know, that's how they win wars, you know, information. They, you know, they send spies, they, you know, governments against governments. You know, they want to have uh, information is key. Well, they wanted to know who was committing the murders, who was doing, who was the bugger. Tony Accardo admitted talking about eight murders that the FBI knew. They knew, okay, who killed them, who why they killed them, why they died, everything. But they couldn't do nothing with it because the wiretaps weren't. It was it was illegal to do that. But they knew everything. They knew everything about the outfit they called them. They knew everything that they were doing. Uh, but they just there was no no laws implemented. When the laws came out, they didn't start using Rico until the early 80s. I mean, it got big in the mid-80s. That's when you started hearing all this shit. It got it created in the 60s. I think 68, that guy Blakely, they created it. But they didn't start using it until the 80s. Carl Gambino was dead. Tony Carter was retired. He died right around then in the early 90s. They were old, out of the business anyways. Yeah, they were smart, but they know that you could not... Especially them guys, they had the, the, the social clubs where you would have to go see them. You know, they had their own spots where you would go and, you know, they were sitting ducks, just like uh, the 80s generation and the 90s generation were sitting ducks, you know? So, uh, they're, you know, they're, they they weren't no smarter than, uh, you know, the gangsters, G- Vincent and Giganti. All the all the uh, John Gottis, all the gangsters today—they they were no more clever, or no more shrewder, or wiser, or anything like that. They just, you know, were in a in an era where there was no scrutiny, like the guys in the eighties, nineties, and every and and and, and up had.
0: Them. Yeah, I mean, even like you go back even farther, like the Prohibition days, you know they couldn't even follow people past county lines. So, I mean, if you drove 10, 15 miles out of town, the cops were trying to pull you over. They couldn't even, they couldn't even, you could have killed somebody. And as long as you crossed that county line, they couldn't follow you. There was no such, like they had radios, but not advanced radios that like there'd be a a helicopter waiting for you at the next county. You know what I mean?
1: And back then you could use the, uh, we, you know, we call them today like crash dummies or, you know, you could, you could insulate yourself back then. You know, if, if the boss gave an order, there's no way the boss could get in trouble for it back then because, you know, the guy gets caught, say, lake in a truck of booze. Well, the guy got caught with uh, alcohol. He's what, What's he looking at? Maybe a, a year in jail? You know, two, nobody's flipping over that. Nobody's, he's not going to, you know, mention who the boss was or anything because of two years in prison or whatever like that. There was no way to, you know, they knew who the, who gave the order. They knew the boss was the guy, but there was no, uh, uh, proven. There was no way of, uh, tying him into it because there was no conspiracy with this RICO bullshit that they had.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's a different time now, but I think it's the time that you're going to see people with street smarts plus education that actually go out and educate themselves. They're going to be the people that are really dangerous. Because, like, dangerous, when I say dangerous, I don't mean dangerous in a violent way. I mean dangerous, like, success rate. Like, you take somebody just straight education, you take somebody that's street smart plus in education and is willing to apply that hustler mentality, not afraid to take chances and work hard at things, right. they're going to outplay the people with just straight success.
1: Exactly. And, and, I, and I think, like, there is no education. Education's bullshit. I think that if you are a street hustler... You're going to learn at a 100 times rate than you would if you went to school and try to learn that shit that they teach you. They don't teach you nothing about money. They don't teach you nothing about credit. They don't teach you nothing about success and going after business. They don't teach you nothing about becoming wealthy. Why wouldn't they teach you that, you know, becoming wealthy? Everybody wants to become wealthy. They teach you history and all this other dumb bullshit. But uh, unless you're going for becoming a doctor or a lawyer and you need uh, that degree to, you know, to do that, then I I would say that that you're better off not even going to school and picking something, a business that you like, learning everything that you can about that business and just hustle the fucking shit out of it. Just like hustle, you know what I'm saying? And just concentrate on that and you will be you'll be multi, you know, millionaire. You'll, you'll, you'll be so successful. You'll be one of those guys that people want to be around. Cause, uh, cause yeah. when you're like that, when you're successful, everybody wants to come around you. Next thing you know, you're in, uh, you know, the, uh, the food industry. And then next thing you know, you got guys in the real estate business coming up to you because they know you're successful and they want you to invest with them on some deal that they, uh, that they're gonna, you know, kill it. You know, they're gonna make a ton of money. And then you got some other guy that's that's gonna open up some nightclub, or you know, he needs. They're all coming to you now. So your next thing you know, you started in this business, and you're you you're in this business, you're in that business, here you're, you're in multiple businesses.
0: Well, I was up, I was down, I was in between. And one thing I know this time around, once I bring myself back up, which I know I will at one time. I will get back up again to where I want to be because I'm not willing to give up. I never get complacent, and I always want more for myself. So just when I hit my bar, I want to keep going up higher and higher, and I keep trying to knock out goals as I go. One thing I'll definitely do different this time around, I'm glad you brought it up twice, is everybody wants to be around you. But this time around, I don't want to be around everybody. I'm going to keep my circle small because all those people that were around me when I had wads of cash, I'm in the middle of nightclubs buying everybody drinks, um, putting people in my flashy car, this and that—they weren't my true friends. They well, were just they, using me. They're riding the wave.
1: They were the wrong people, you know. So, so like now you know, just like everybody knows, every any successful person will tell you, any successful millionaire, who you surround yourself is who you are. And if you introduce somebody to you know to someone, and you're successful, you know, and this guy is a piece of shit. And you, you come around somebody that's, you know, uh, someone worthy to meet, a millionaire, someone that you want to do business with. And you introduce them to this guy that's, he can tell he's a drug addict or, you know, he's not dressed right. He's got, he's, he doesn't speak right. That's a reflection on you. So uh, going forward, you know, it's going to be, your circle is going to be a lot smaller. But in the long run, it's going to be a lot, it's it, it's going to be more, quality is better than quantity. You're going to, you're going to have a. A stronger, you're going to be more successful. You're going to have the right people around you. Somebody that you could go to, and it's going to be there that you need to be there. And uh, the other, but everybody goes through that in life, you know. You weren't perfect. I wasn't perfect. They aren't perfect. My, you know, everyone's got you know a learning experience. It's just when do you finally wake up and learn it? You know, do you learn it at a young age? You know, if you've got good mentors, yeah, if you've got a good, you know, family that's instilling that in you or, or you go through it hard and, you know, go through hard times and, you know, maybe prison or or some really tough circumstances, and then you finally realize it. That's what most people do, you know, they, they when they go through hard times.
0: And that comes with, like we were saying earlier, I use that word education. What I meant by education, I should have worded it differently. To me, education's experience. Yeah, so, absolutely. All the, all those bad things that we were just talking about, like I know what not to do this time around, is not because of education; it's because of experience. Yeah, I learned because I experienced it. Right, I seen it firsthand. Um,
1: You're getting older, you, you know. Get, as you get older, you get more knowledge and wisdom. You know that's why these guys that are seventy and eighty years old are the smartest guys on the planet. You know because they've been through everything. The problem is they're seventy and eighty years old. The key is to learn, you know, get that knowledge when you're in your thirties or twenties or teens, you know, not to, the ones that do get that are the ones that are billionaires, they become billionaires.
0: Yeah, I, I think a problem of my past and we were talking about this the other day too, is um, validation, worrying about like when I was young and I was a kid and I wanted that quick instant gratification. I was more worried about other people's validation. Like what do people think of me? instead of worrying about being the image I wanted to be, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted yeah. people to want to be, you know, what do they want me to be? And I fell for that trap. I, I you know, I did everything in my power to be a um, a crowd pleaser rather than being a pleaser of myself. I, wa- I, I turned myself into somebody that I wasn't and took myself out of character just to please other people to accept me.
1: And I, I think... Most kids go through that. Most, you know, young adults go through that. I I think a lot of people, even adults, older adults, go through that. Until you click, it clicks in your head and it says, "Who gives a fuck what they think?" And 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 when that goes off in your head, eventually, I'm you know, I was kind of like the same way. You, you care about what people think because if somebody said something bad about you or negative about you, you'd wanna approach them, maybe hurt them, maybe confront them and it could lead to them getting hurt or violence something happening. So that's the same thing until you get to the point where, okay, if you hurt him, you go to jail, but if you really think about it, no one should be able to rent space in your head. Who gives a fuck what anybody says? And if it comes to the haters, right, the haters are, uh, everyone's got haters. You could be the most successful guy in the world, never hurt anybody in your life, never had a violent act. Look at Trump, right? Trump's probably got three billion people on this planet that hope he dies. What did he do? Even you know, whether you like him or you don't like him, he raised a family, they don't do drugs, he don't do drugs, he doesn't drink, he's worth eleven billion dollars, ten billion dollars. What did he do wrong? These people hate him and want him dead. He's got haters, right? So but guess what? He's worth ten billion, he's successful, he's got a great family. So without haters I think the only thing worse is having no haters. You know what I mean? Because if you got nobody hating on you, it means you're you ain't doing shit. You know what I mean?
0: That's what they said haters come around when you're doing things that's gonna make you successful. Haters are gonna be your best
1: that- fans. Yeah, you got this show right now, you're gonna blow up, you're gonna be good, right? And you're gonna have these trolls come on and gonna abuse you and say shit. They're gonna you're not gonna know who they are. But guess what? They're watching you. They're watching you. So they're in the, they're they're your fans. You know what I'm saying? They're they're gonna yeah. they're are your admirers, you know.
0: Yeah, and, like and my haters too.
1: That, but... Not to my haters too. They'll watch this. They hate my guts, but they'll still watch it. So they're our fan.
0: Yeah, and like that's what I was gonna say next is like learning as we get older, relevance of people. Like, you know, I I catch a lot of people. I think social media really made people feel more relevant and people could see what people are up to. People could see what the people have because pretty much social media, you can use it for marketing, you can work for networking, but a lot of people use it for bragging rights and they use it to be keyboard warriors to attack people because I know so many people locally that they get tough on keyboards with other people. And I've seen it firsthand, but I know if they weren't in front of the other person, they wouldn't act like that. So like, I'll see, like, you know, you'll be in a crowd of people and somebody will be scrolling through their phone. And they'll be like, oh, look at This douchebag just got a brand new car. Look at he's posting it on Facebook. And what really, like you just said, like, the person that just showed that picture to everybody is actually the one that just lost because sure. you just made that person relevant in your life because you're hating on them because no matter if they earned it or if they didn't earn it, whether they came from a wealthy family and their family bought that car for them, or they work a job or they're educated and they have a job that they can afford that. Or they're out doing illegal shit and they got that car. No matter what, that person won because the other person just made them relevant. Right. And the guy that... You could have po- just kept scrolling. Yeah, the guy You could have je- just
1: kept scrolling. Right, right. Like, the guy is jealous. I tell, I tell my people that I like in life, when somebody, you know, the guy was jealous by doing that. And he's exposing himself as being a, a jealous hater. Because with jealousy becomes hater, becomes anger, becomes all the bad shit, you know? But it starts with jealousy, right? And I tell all people that I like is when somebody badmouths you publicly, don't respond. Don't feed into it. You know, just if they if they message you, just block them and move on, you know? They, they, they're they uh, usually ninety 99% of them don't have no. Who has fucking life, the time, and and the and like like I considered I did bad things in my life. Who has time, to and and the and the um the mental evilness to go on all day and badmouth people for their success, and then the hiding like you said hiding behind. And even if you put your name on it, like let's just say they're not hired. Let's just say they come out with their name. So what? So you're now you're exposing who you really are and you're exposing that you're jealous of this person. You have a lot of hate and you've got a lot of free time on your hand that you're not doing anything productive with it. While well, this guy's going out making money, hustling, out hustling you, looking to grow in life, looking to network with the right people. So I think they're irrelevant. And I would say like, Well, you know, going back to your point is uh, about hearing what people think about. I think young kids growing up, you know, it's hard with this uh, social media today because, you know, once when I was growing up, they didn't have this uh, social media. So if like say something bad happens to the kid, it's all over the Internet. And for a young kid, that's like, you know, they're mortified. They're like. It's the worst thing in the world to happen. So I feel bad for, so that I think young kids got, and they're teaching the young kids not to be tough, mentally tough. So I don't know where, you know, where it's going to go, but yeah, I think, uh, you have to be uh, mentally strong and just, uh, block all that shit out and just, uh, like you're doing, you know, you work, you got the show, you're hustling. So you, you know, you've got no time for, for that side bullshit of, uh, of the hate.
0: Yeah, a guy that um, came up, like, back in the day, he used to hang out with my dad all the time. He was a hustler, and um, he wasn't Italian. He wasn't, like, in the Italian mafia or anything like that. He actually was a different nationality, but um, he was, uh, he was a professional criminal, professional thief. And he used to tell me all the time, I mean, some of the stuff that he told me today, like, you know, people wouldn't agree morally the way a guy acted. And, you know, society would say that he morally didn't act right because he was in and out of jail a lot. But he was always a hustler. He got up, he got out there, and he went and go, he went out and got it. He owned his own business. He didn't run it legitimately, but he made it work for quite some time. Um, he used to always say to me, like, "Do you know the Do you know how to be successful?" And I said, "Get go to school." He's like, "No, no." He's like, do "You know how to be successful?" I'm like, "No, tell me." He's like, "You can't wake up in the morning and go from the bed to the couch. You got to oh, go." Yeah out and out and get it. So these people that have time to scroll and hate, type that stuff, they could be doing something, even being on the internet doing a hustle. Like me and you were talking about drop shipping yesterday. We were talking about different ways to make money on the internet with literally using your phone. It you you could be you could be out you could be out hustling these people that you're jealous of, but instead you're taking the time out of your day to make me relevant.
1: They're bums. You know? They don't have two cents I mean, they're probably living on Social Security. Uh, they're getting food stamps. They they got a few, little little something small. They're doing on the side, but they're really just getting by, and they got nothing but free time all day. You know, so that's what they do. They uh, they troll and they and they do all that shit. Oh oh, so so you you made the point like, um, we were talking the other day about making money, right? So here's what I want to say. And, and this, is, this is how I did my whole life. And this is how I grew up in my whole life. I was a ball I had fun. I did all that shit. But if you should be talking, like we talked the other day, about everything, right? You know, friendships, this and that, but how to make money. That should be the number one thing. It's like, what can we do together or share ideas together? Or how can we help each other? That's the, that's the circle and the network you want to be around. You want to be around people that uh, that your friends. That um, you know, one guy might be a lawyer, one guy might be in real estate. One might, and you want to. When you talk to them, you don't want to talk about bullshit. And you know, like uh, you know, like maybe two minutes of, of a book, but the majority of it is focused on what can we do to make some money? What ideas you got? You got any ideas this week? What, you know, what have you been up to? Well, you know, and that's how these you know, these guys are doing it. They're making money. They, when, when they uh, they network with the right people and they all brainstorm, you know, with each other, and it's like, it, and I remember back in the day, there was businesses I got involved in I knew nothing about, just being around the right person, talking to him, asking you know questions, and next thing you know, I'm involved in a, a, a I'm getting in the exterminating business, you know, it, you know what I mean? It was just like, you know, talking what the guy does and and talking positive and trying to make money and grow
0: yeah like you watch any of these guys like gary Vee, grant cardone um hmm. any of these gurus i that love like grant make all this money yeah me too yeah i'm yeah, a yeah. big grant cardone fan great um but you know uh, um i'm anti tony robbins i think he's an idiot yeah i don't like him uh, but, uh, yeah for but. some reason and he probably is great but i just don't like the
1: way he comes across I really don't like Gary V a little bit too. Gary V, like you know, the the message with him. I mean, he you know, I, but I didn't listen to him enough,
0: so I don't really know. And I can't. I gotta retrace my previous statement because I can't say he's an idiot because he's out there making millions of dollars just yeah. give a motivational speech. Right, so, right, 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 He's not an idiot. No, he's, just, he's not. He's not for me. But because I can see right through his bullshit. But so the um back to what we were saying about um about those guys like Grant Cardone and those guys like that. You'll never be successful nowadays running that normal nine to five job. I don't care if you're making a hundred K a year and you're working in an office and you have everything set up. Ultimate success comes from you need to have like your normal job and you got to have about five, six, seven side hustles. So like for me, for instance, like a goal or or, or two good ones or two good ones. Yeah. Like I want my normal job during the day, but I also I want to own rental properties. I want to buy a tractor trailer. I want to and have somebody running it. I want to all stuff that I learned. I, right. I want, like you said, even if I don't know about exterminating right. business, have somebody <laughs> right invest invest in something. It's not, well, like, it's not somebody. what you
1: love to do. You know what I mean? Like they say, like do what you love to do. But what if somebody came, with, you know, with an opportunity to do something that you knew nothing about, but you can make a million dollars a year? Uh, you know, residual it could be, income. Yeah, but, you know, income. you don't love it. You, 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 you're going to work, but you don't love what you're doing. But it's like, so what? I don't give a fuck if I got to, whatever it is. You, you you give me a million a year, I'm doing it.
0: Well, it's like organized crime. Like, you know, my grandfather always taught me, and he was, the, I'll, I'll clarify that. He wasn't in organized crime, but he always told me, Scott, do something that people need. People need to get it done. So, like, the mob, they came in and, you know, a lot of them took charge and which me and you talked about this from where you're from take charge in the trash business you got to get rid of trash you have to get rid of it you think these guys want to go and flip dumpsters and smell trash all day but there's a lot of money in it right construction do you want to do you want to um go in old houses all through the city and buy these houses at tax sale sheriff sale and you're knocking the walls down and there's asbestos flying everywhere you don't want to do that but if it's going to, you're going to flip that into a rental property and that's going to grow your residual income right. and that's going to boost your your monthly revenue up and you're going to have that rental property and maintain it and keep it and you're going to have it for 20, 30, 40 years and keep collecting that money off of it. That's the side hustles that you got to keep doing nowadays.
1: And you also have to know what is it, how much do you do you need or do you want, not need, how much to live the, so you have to have like your goals and dreams and aspirations of, of, of where you want to be, right? So then you got to say, how much money do I need to, like say you want a Bentley or a Rolls Royce and you want to go out to dinner every night and you want to take a beautiful woman, have a beautiful girl or multiple girls, right? And you want to have a decent home, not no $20 million home, just a nice house, right? How much money is it going to cost for you a month? to acquire that 20,000 a month, 30,000 a month, 40,000 a month, right? And then once you get that down, then you say, how do I make that 20, 30, 40,000 a month? And so let's just say you pick whatever you're doing to make that. What happens is once you pick that, once you start working and working towards that, other streams of money start coming at you. And that's what happens with these guys. Like they'll start off in one route of revenue and then next thing you know because they're working hard in it they're meeting people they're making contacts it veers off into boom now they're involved in this and then they're you know and then they're so and then like you said it ends up to be six or seven streams of uh of income let me tell you something poverty if you're making forty thousand a year what's the i don't know what's the average uh income for workers Forty thousand, fifty
0: thousand. They did a statistic a couple of years ago in the paper, and I think it was like thirty five, thirty. Oh my god, 000. let me
1: tell you something. Thirty-five thousand a year, right? That so you want to talk about poor. Okay, let's just say poverty, where you're almost in living on a homeless shelter. Let's just say the homeless. And then you go so you get the homeless, then you got poor, and then you got You can't say middle class. So you have to say, like, so you have homeless, poor, and then low middle class. Because there's two types of middle class. It's not just middle class anymore. It's not poor, rich, middle class. That's gone. 35,000 a year, you can't live. 40,000 a year, you can't live. 50, let me tell you something, 100,000 a year. If you got a family of three kids and your wife doesn't work and you're making 100,000 after taxes, you barely, barely, barely are getting by, barely, right? So, so what does that consider you? That's not middle class. That's either poor, or lower middle class. And uh, see, and, go ahead.
0: You see, I, I feel as though you know, and I, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for saying this, but I really don't care because it's my show. I'm going to say what I want. So. <laughs> I personally personally think that, and because of the life I led the past few years starting over, being poor is a choice. You're not poor. You're lazy. Yeah. Because sure. when, when, I, when I see all these warehouses offering to hire people that have felonies, drug problems, anything, they're willing to start you off at $20, $25 an hour to unload a truck, and you don't want to do it. And pretty much they're so flexible because they can't get staffed. Like, when I used to, when I used to go to drive the tractor-trailer up and down the East Coast last year, I'd sit at warehouses eight, 8, 9, 10, 11 hours because they didn't have people to unload the truck. And, you know, you see, like, signs on the side of these warehouses, $20, $25 an hour. McDonald's, $15 an hour. Like, unless you have some sort of mental disability, which at that point, usually if you follow the right protocol, the government will take care of... Of your needs for your housing and you know put you on assistance programs stuff like that to an extent you'll never gain wealth but you'll live off the government. Nobody you're should not be living. technically poor homeless. You're not. No, you're not living. Right. But, but like, like these people like, they'll say like, well, I can't work, I have anxiety. Like, what do you mean you can't work? Like, no, don't bitch that you're poor because that's an option. You're choosing that option. Yeah. You're choosing to be, you're choosing to justify to yourself that you're just a lazy piece of shit.
1: Right. And, and, you know, it's like laziness and it's uh, it's all tied into... Laziness is definitely uh, a great word to describe it, but it's like... Everybody wants to, you know, they they think there's an easy fix. Oh, I I got depression. I don't feel good. So they go to the doctor and they're trying to get a pill or some sort of medication to make them feel good. Okay? Um, And when it all comes back to the person that has a depression, the person that doesn't feel like going to get that job, the person, all that stuff, is look at their lifestyle. They drink sodas they eat unhealthy they're overweight they don't go to the gym they don't do anything healthy they don't they listen to the the the, the, the stupid uh, whatever news on, on the tv and, and they don't do anything to better their lives if 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 they just got to the point where they said uh you know they went in, you know for um to see the doctor and they said uh, oh, the doctor says well what's wrong with you well uh, I don't feel depressed. Instead of the doctor prescribing, them, say, well, first of all, you're 50 pounds overweight. Okay, Why, we're gonna put you on a diet plan. We're gonna we're gonna get you to the right. Rec- what else do you do? Oh, I smoke two packs of cigarettes. Say, okay, we're gonna get you off them cigarettes. Or what else? Do you what do you drink for fluids? Oh, I drink six cokes, diet cokes a, a day. And what do you eat? I eat McDonald's and I and and they they correct all that right come back and see me. You're not getting no medication. And now if no other doctor, well, you know what they'll do? They'll be like, okay, he won't give me what I want to go to another doctor that will give them what they want. But if they had no choice and they had to listen to this doctor, there would be no, I would say 95% of depression, all that shit would go away in my opinion. I
0: fight, depres- I fight depression every day. I, I go to work. I If I sit there and I think too much, I get depressed. But... I have a kid. I, I'm not going to let my kid down because I made some bad decisions of my past. Is it depression you know? or like
1: anxiety? Because, the, you know, like depression, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, when you say like. It's
0: like a roller coaster, it comes and goes. Like, it's up, it's like ups and downs, you know what I mean? Like, some days, you know, you wake up, you're 100% motivated. And the next days, you know, you're kind of like just feeling like down, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, you're down in the dumps and you start dwelling on the past a little bit, but. I learned like, you know, when you say the key word right
1: there, you start dwelling on the past.
0: Well, my, my, my biggest thing is, you know, I always say decisions, decisions of my past explains my present and the choices of my present determines my future. So if I sit there and I stay in the past, I'm going to stay in the past. I'm never going to advance. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I, if I don't, if I don't start mapping out the future in my present, then I'm never going to advance myself right. into the future. Right. So if you stay, and a lot of people, and that, that was me for about two years of my life. Yeah, and it's a lot and of I, people
1: too. It's not just you, right?
0: Yeah, I fell into that trap that when I got out of addiction my first year, I remember I was to to like reinvent myself. I had to pretty much start a new chapter in my life. I had to see what life was like on the other side. And, you know, a lot of people... Um, they're having a big misconception of like my show sober sit-down sober sit-down the base of sober sit-down was to instill hope and faith in those that are willing to give up on themselves i want to make sure that people understand that it's never too late to make those changes when you live sober it doesn't mean that it has to be addiction related like it's more of like a pure way of life so like if you're going through drug alcohol addiction you're going through marital issues you're being a bad parent you're being a bad person um you know you're having a problem fighting the addiction of committing crimes that all falls in the line of sobriety to my eyes you know like you know it, this isn't just drug and alcohol related the sobriety it's 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 a, a a congregation of a lot of things that it could be multiple topics of things other than not just drugs and alcohol related
1: Correct, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with what you said is, and it, it doesn't have to be uh, drugs or alcohol. I mean, I think anybody can suffer. They think it's depression. They think it's anxiety. They, I think uh, if you wake up, you have a plan. You have a, a routine. You, you're doing the right things. You're going to the gym. Let's just say you've got a. a, a the bottom line is staying busy. If you're staying busy – doing productive things, you won't have depression, you won't have anxiety, you have a great life, you start networking with the right people, and and next thing you know, you're going to be successful in life, and you're going to be so consumed with being successful that you're never going to realize what any depression. I, I, I know what you're talking about with, I knew this guy that was uh, an NAAA type guy, and he made a lot of money, and he... Uh, this will probably help your uh, your viewers, like uh, with the sober shit. But uh, he made like enough money to live where he didn't have to work, and uh, so the problem with him was he had nothing. He didn't have to work. He had nothing but time on his hand. So he was going to the meetings. He would wake up at five in the morning, five thirty. He'd do his meditation. So five to let's say six. He 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 got on his knees and did his prayers. Six to seven, he showered and ate breakfast. Seven to eight, seven to nine, he went to the gym. Okay, I'm and I'm giving a stretch in the hours. Nine to eleven, he went to a church, and he said some more prayers with a priest, and he did all that. Now twelve o'clock, he ate lunch. One o'clock, he went for an hour walk. It's 2 o'clock. What the fuck is this poor bastard going to do? I mean, every single day, he's got nothing to do. He's trying to get... And then he goes to the meetings. He goes to the meetings at night. But the problem was, he was fighting 24 hours in a day. He probably slept 6 hours. 18 hours, he was fighting boredom. I think boredom is the number one... Not sin. Boredom is the number one... Vice that people should avoid in life, because boredom leads to everything, you know. And D
0: plus, spare spare time plus boredom. My thought process, yeah, boredom, boredom That's is my worst. St- is my worst enemy. What in spare time? What do you, time, what do, you do?
1: So spare time, that becomes boredom. So so spare time shouldn't be. If you have spare time, then then okay. So if you got spare time, what do you do? You say, "All right, what am I going to do?" Now you're bored, right? So the boredom. Leads And this poor bastard, he ended up relapsing all the time because he couldn't, he couldn't, he could do one day, he could do two weeks, he could do two months, but then he couldn't do it every single day because it was just too much. He was fighting. You need to stay busy. You need to, you need to have something that is driving you to live in life, you know, and, and he, he didn't have enough to fill his day. And he he ended up dying.
0: That's unfortunate. And you know what? People like him, you know, they they try and tell you your first year of sobriety, like keep everything less complicated and run a routine schedule like he did. But, I mean, that doesn't work for everybody. Some people got to go to work. Some people got to live normal lives, you know. And, like, that guy you were saying, every day was like Groundhog's Day. It just kept getting repeated, repeated. But now throw that guy – a wrench in his side and tell him he's got a doctor's appointment during his walk time, he won't know how to handle it. And that's what throws people off. He gets out of that routine. Now his day's all fucked up. And now he starts making bad decisions. Or, like you said, the boredom end of it. Um, you know, the boredom end of it is like, I think too many people in sobriety, because of the instant gratification, they think like, hey, I'm a month sober. Everything should just start changing. Everything should go in my direction. Everything should go my way. And, The problem is is you gotta set short term and long term goals for yourself because all your goals aren't gonna get completed in one week. No. You gotta have short term and long term. That's like today. Today's like Monday, and you know everybody hates Monday. And everybody's like, oh, I hate Monday. Well, why do you hate Monday? Because to me, Monday, Monday is your reset day. Monday's your day to look at how bad last week went. And how to revamp it to make this week better. Right. I think Monday is like your official restart day. If you if you had a good week or a bad week, it's your it's your day to get you know dust yourself off, get yourself reorganized, get yourself restructured, and go back at it again for this week coming up.
1: And for me, it's like another day because I think like you should have you should have enough. Like once you start getting older, like you said, goals and plan goals. Short term, long term, absolutely. Those are ideas. Those are things you're, you know, are you're working for. You should also write them down on a piece of paper. When you write them down, that's even better. Um, and you should work towards those, uh, those plans. And uh, discipline. When it comes into discipline, you know, th- this is where the, uh, you know, the discipline part comes in. Um, you have to schedule the free time in your, in your day. It's like, dude, I woke up at five. I don't feel like going to the gym. I get out of work at two. I don't do nothing until five. Well, there you go. So you have to have enough discipline where it's not even about someone trying to motivate you or someone trying to push you or you trying to push yourself. It's like, I, ha- I'm going, that's it. There's no other uh, question about it. I'm going to the fucking gym and end the story um, I'm going to meet this guy tomorrow morning. You know, you haven't also like the day before is making out your list of what you're going to do. to, So you know, the next day what you got to do. If you know the next day you wake up, you ain't got shit to do. I mean, w- w- seriously. I mean, even if you don't even if you're strong, I, I consider myself strong minded, but if you ain't got shit to do, I mean, I smoke cigars. I got a lot of shit I do and this and that, and blah, 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 but I mean, it's like, what, what are you going to do? You you know, you, you got to keep yourself busy. You have to make, you have to uh, have a plan. You have to have a schedule. You have to be disciplined. You have to do that um, and stay and focus on that, in my opinion.
0: Then we go back to the mental health end of it. And like, you know, you talk about depression, anxiety, stress. What I learned that works for me is like you were just talking about writing lists for yourself and stuff like that it's always good to be more organized and less organized because when you're clutter minded yeah. and you're cluttered and when you get a cluttered brain that creates stress and anxiety. Right. So like, instead of going home and you know, going home tonight and sitting on the recliner and just staring at TV for like three, four hours, Okay, um I could finish my laundry, I could right. meal prep for the next day, exactly. have my meals ready. Right. So in case I wanna I wanna sleep a little later, I don't have to wake up and pack my lunch to go to work. I don't have to, you know, um you just get everything set up for yourself, you know? Yep. And the more set up and the more organized you are, life definitely becomes less stressful. Right. Get yourself on that schedule, get yourself on that regimen, yes. push yourself yep. into, you know, like you said, like Oh, I'm going to miss the gym. Well, why did you miss the gym? You know, stuff happens. Don't get me wrong in life. But, like, don't justify or make excuses for yourself. Like, the worst thing you can do is deflect and defend your wrongs. When you start defending and deflecting, like, I I can't stand when people justify themselves for, like, like... Like own it, just yeah. own it. Like, yeah. don't make excuses. Like, don't say, "Well, you know, last night when I was getting out of the shower, I slipped on a bar of soap and I twisted my ankle, so I did not want to go jogging this morning." Right? No, no, that's not. I mean, shit happens like that, but right. like, th- that's not really why you didn't go jogging in the morning. You went because you wanted to sleep in, or you're you're just being, you know, you're just justifying for yourself. You don't, you don't. uh Everything's like an excuse for people. I, I just I I have no empathy for people that don't want to change because. You know, like, I wouldn't have made changes for myself if I didn't want to make changes for myself. And if I wanted to give up on myself, I can give up on myself. But the fact is, like, when I hear people talking about it and they're like, oh, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. But, like, they're not doing nothing to get it. Right. And they they, they think they're just going to win that lottery ticket go into the gas station every day. Life doesn't happen like that. No. The only time you will see success before work is in the dictionary.
1: Yeah. That's true. And, you know, going back to what you said, it's like I read a lot of books while I was in prison, and um, and I was like that too. Like, but I did it. I did it for, uh, I knew what I was doing. I was talking on tap phones. You know, they wanted to know, uh, oh, well, who, you know, who killed this guy and this and that. I'm like, oh, they think, you know, this guy did it, and blah, blah, blah. You're trying to deflect them. But in reality, I talked so good about it that you could, you could, um, justify anything in life anybody can justify anything like you said and the real thing is is going in and you and it's like going to see a psychiatrist but you're not going to see a psychiatrist you're sitting in a chair and you look you don't have to look in the mirror you just whatever your situation is just you're going inside yourself and you're being honest with yourself and that's all you need in life because you know when you're bullshitting you know when you're lying. You know when you're trying to get over on something. You know when you're, what you did and what you're trying to tell people what you didn't do. That if you're really honest with yourself, you'll come to the the correct solutions of your life. When you're really honest. It's it's called you know, like introspecting. It's like being your own psychiatrist. You don't even need a psychiatrist. I mean, we're, 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 what are they going to help you with? You know, you know what you did in life and you know just own up own it like you said own it and uh deal with it and find the solution to it and correct it and move on
0: yeah like i i don't know i i can you know i i went to um i went to like mental health doctors before and like psychologists and stuff like that and they were quick to want to put me on like an anti-anxiety or an antidepressant and guess what That made me mentally worse because that medication, that medication would like, I'm a high, I'm a high energy type of guy and I like it that way because I get more stuff done. When I go on those medications and stuff like that, when in the past, like they were, you know, they were putting me on medication for anxiety and stuff. All it was doing was making me walk around like a zombie. Yeah. It was just numbing me. It was numbing me. And and really, what the major problem was was I was drinking too much. It had nothing to do with anxiety. It was I was drinking too much, and and you admit it, was it causing anxiety, and you admit yeah, it exactly. That's us. That's I it. own it, right? O- own, own up to, and that's what I was saying about the justifications, the deflections, the defending. Own up to your own shit. See what you Look just said. In the mirror, say, you I'm just the said. problem. See what you just said. That's the key in life. For what you just said.
1: You discovered the problem. First is identifying the problem. You discovered it wasn't this. It wasn't anxiety. It wasn't depression. It was I'm drinking too much. All right. Second is what's the solution to the problem? It's very simple. Identify the problem. What's the solution to the problem? And then act on, get you know fixing it. And you just said it right there. You you identified your problem. and Now you're you're fixing it. You 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 came to the solution. What you need to do, and your life is going to be a hundred times better.
0: And like like back in the day, like. My family was coming down on me hard about my drinking, and they were saying to me, like, you know, please stop, please, you know, doing this, doing that. And, you know, I went to a couple meetings. I went to an outpatient rehab, which is more like glorified meetings. And I would I would relapse because you know why? I wasn't there for me. I was there for them. I wasn't ready to, to be done yet. And this time around, I'm going on three and a half years sober now. That, that was the one day I woke up and I actually wanted to make a change for me. And it was the last selfish yet unselfish decision that I've ever made. But I'm not acting like I'm a superhero here or anything like that. But something's working. Right. Something happened that day different than the rest of the times that I'm here talking to you today yeah. about this. And how I discovered what my problem was, which was I had an alcohol You're addiction. Dead. It came with drug use, but... That that never that never got me. It was the drinking was always it because I was always around it. I grew up in the business. Right, that was normal to me. Seeing people fall down drunk, seeing people get unconscious that 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 was normal to me. I I, I grew up seeing that. Right, that was that wasn't out of the norm for me. Do you agree that first thing I want to say is so? Not only did you do all the what you're doing,
1: but you're doing what I told you what my friend didn't do. So you're working, you're, your time is busy, you you know, you got a girlfriend, you got a life to live, and now you're doing this shit. So you're occupying your time, huge. So a lot of these people, you know, they want to go to the meetings, I think, and, and I'm not knocking anybody, I'm, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, but I think like what you're doing, I think like, it's like a a, a, a pity fest. You know what I'm saying? It's like I think like action, like what you're doing is like you're creating your own show and you're staying busy is the best fight against any type of shit like that. But do you agree like no one's going to stop doing what they're doing, whether it's uh, addiction, whether it's being fat and they trying to lose weight and they said I'm going to lose weight or whether it's being uh, a bad person in life and they're going to – Nobody's really going to do that until they really decide internally that they're going to do it. Do you agree? 100%.
0: Yeah. 100%. I mean, unless anybody wants to, unless you yourself want to make that change. Right. Like you said, whether it's, right. you know, dr- drug addiction, alcohol addiction, weight loss, um, you're tired of being broke. Like yeah. a lot of people bitch about being yeah. broke. Okay. Figure out how you're not going to exactly. be broke. Stop, stop, stop buying $10 Starbucks coffees right, every morning. Right. Stop. Stop. Stop, stop, uh, stop going on Friday nights out to the bar and spending $200. Stop, stop ordering hundred dollar t-shirts offline. Like stop buying $500 worth of Amazon shit that you don't need. Start creating a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Go get another job. Anything. I mean, there's so many, I think it was Michael Franzese was saying it and don't quote me to it, but like. The endless opportunities for you to make money and not have to work a full time job like people can Uber if you have a car, your car you can actually have your car payment paid for. Sign up with Uber, go give people a couple rides a couple times a month, yeah. Go on DoorDash, go deliver some food when you feel like it. You flip on the app, you go make a hundred bucks on a Tuesday night when you would have been sitting around trolling on somebody or bitching on somebody or being a jealous hater. You could have made $100 from your phone by flipping your phone on, going, picking up a couple orders of food exactly. and driving off of people's right, things right. on your own time. Right. You're not on a schedule. You're on your own time. And that's, you know, like there's so much opportunity, people just won't grasp it. They just want to feel sorry for themselves well, and say, you know, I, I, I'm broke. This sucks. Well, it only sucks because you're making it suck.
1: The worst thing people can have in life. I wish the whole world knew this. I know it and people, I, I see people teaching it, but I learned it in prison. The worst thing that you can have is self-pity. Nobody gives a fuck about you, okay, or your problems. I mean, someone will be there to listen, okay. What did you gain by telling somebody your problems? To get it off your chest, okay. They don't give a fuck, it didn't help your situation. Unless it's it's gonna be something, like I said, find a problem, find the solutions, right? But nobody cares. Self-pity is the worst thing that you could have in life. Oh, poor me. Oh, I did that. Nobody cares. You know, they listen. Uh, they want to get the fuck out. Actually, you know what they want? They want to run away from you. When somebody keeps coming with their problems to you, right? You know what they do? They, they avoid your phone calls. They don't want they don't even want to pick up the phone with you. This guy's going to complain again about his fucking life. I, I don't want to fucking talk to this negative bastard. You know what I mean? And that, no, it's the truth. I mean, it's like, you, you, it's like oh my God, I fucking picked up the phone. Hey, how you doing today, my friend? Oh my God, you don't even know how it is. It's like, you, you, you want to throw the phone off the wall. And, and so that's the worst thing people can do. It's like, realize nobody cares, find the problem, make the solution and fix it. Who gives a fuck what people think about you in this world? Nothing is really that bad. If you're fat, lose weight. If you have an addiction, quit. I mean, it's like, it's 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 common sense in life. If you don't want to go to jail for a long time, commit crimes that will only put you in there for a short time. And if you don't want to go for a long time, don't hurt anybody. Don't do anything. I mean, it's common sense. The government tells you, don't, you know, like, what you can or cannot do. You know what I'm saying? So, like you know, find the problem, get the solution, and then go from there. And don't complain about anything in life because it all it makes you weak, and nobody cares about you cares about your problems. They got their own problems. You know what I mean? They don't care about your problems. And when you talk to a real friend, that's different. When you're talking to somebody, and you're and you're, that's not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like don't. But when you're talking to a real friend and you're asking him his opinion, his advice, and you respect his feedback, that's a wholly, totally different than complaining about something. Like, hey, what's your opinion? Like, I'm trying to, you know, get to the – you're asking someone's opinion. You're not going there crying about something, you know?
0: And there's two types of people in life. There's people that will admit they have problems and people that will mask they have problems yes. because they don't want people to look at them 100%. and be like – they're so afraid yeah. of being judged, yeah. and they're so afraid of that, that self-validation. Right. That like, if I explain my problems to somebody, they're gonna judge me. They're gonna look at me differently. Right. Who gives a Who fuck? Who cares? Like, that's and and one of my, one of my favorite movies is The Bronx Tale, and Chaz Palmeteri says it's the best. Nobody cares, like you said earlier. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares, does. right? I know a guy that I know a guy that relapsed in AA because he was going out to bars. And he was so damn concerned about what other people seen in his glass. So he'd walk around with a pint glass of Red Bull or something. And guess what happened? Eventually, that Red Bull got vodka added to it. And then he started drinking again. All because he thought people cared what was in that glass. Yeah. And, you know, once you stop caring about others and, you know, you can, like, once you stop caring about what other people think of you, that's when you can start making yourself happy. Exactly. I mean, it's
1: hard with today's society because of the internet, right? So you could have a gang of people group up up, uh, and attack you. But guess what? That's when you really got to get, without hard times, you don't become successful. Every successful person went through, I mean, I don't know if they went through hard times. They went through hard times. I don't know if they suffered. I think if you suffer in life, that's the key in life. If you suffer in life, I think everybody should suffer in life. If you suffer in life, I don't know. There's just something you get attuned with the with with a, with a higher power, and just things come to you. And uh, anybody that you know, it, it's hard when when they gang up on you with social media today because you could have them attack you on social media. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? I'm gonna be successful, and you guys ain't got two pennies to rub together. Living the same fucking life that you're living. And that's your mentality you gotta have, and you keep kicking forward. And that's how you you know you you defeat them.
0: I mean, these are these these are those trolls. You know, like they live in their grandmother's basement, slamming Mountain Dew and eating oh, Doritos. My, well, all the
1: not day. only that, they're they're, little, the, they're, wait, wait, they're the worst human beings on the planet.
0: I mean, if if the people that you've seen that were
1: like, you know, doing the, the keyboard shit, they're the worst fucking people that that exist.
0: So they probably haven't took a bath in a week. They they, they live in a basement. Well, they probably they're, shower. They're just they probably
1: got married, but they're probably bums. They're probably on, uh, psycho meds. Like you know, like the depression. They're probably scamming the government out of money, to to get by, and they got nothing but free time on their on their hands. They're probably they're probably pussies, you know. On top of it, well, that's, you know what what I was, mean? that's what I'm that's what I'm saying.
0: Because nobody nobody that's like the old days, like in the '90s, like. If somebody was like, like a keyboard warrior today to me is a guy in the nineties who would block his number before he'd want to make a threat to somebody, Listen. I'm going to block my number and call this guy oh up and God. tell him how I really feel. Yeah, You know, like you're like that, like, no, you go and knock on the person's door and you confront them. Right. That's how you do it. Like a man.
1: Right. And I would be scared of that because the only outcome that's going to happen is one, someone, one, one of us is going to die. So if I am the one that died, good. Okay. Who cares? But I would rather it be the one I die. Because if I kill you, I don't want to go to jail for the rest of my life. And that's the outcome. So, you know, that's why I say violence shouldn't happen. You know, you have to have some sort of, uh, uh, you know, the the normal people can do it. You know, guys that are built like us, it's hard. But there's a way to get out of it. uh, Violent confrontation. Like I don't, you know, you you just gotta you'll know, get out of it because someone's gonna get hurt bad, and uh, you just gotta try to get yourself out of that um, situation.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, I've been in that situation before. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and and act like I'm Mike Tyson and I'm I can take on the world and everything like that. But somebody said to me once, they're like are you afraid to get into a fight? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And they're like, well, what, are you afraid of the opponent? No, I'm afraid what would happen. You know what I mean? Because, like, I've been to different points in my life where I've had such bad things happen to me that I do have built up animosity and tempers and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know if that's going to be the day that's going to set me over the top to lose control of myself. And pretty much that's my boil over. And, you know, how do you replay the tape? And how how do you sit there and, you know... How do you take back if you permanently injure somebody, like you said, like kill somebody, Personal. put them in a wheelchair? Uh, cause, and then all it takes is you white out and it's all over. Right. You know, you, you you get to a point of being so pissed off that, you know, somebody puts you in a, in a situation that you don't want to be in and you snap out. When you snap back in and then somebody's dead, how do you re, how do you retake that back?
1: The big, you know, the biggest for me. Is uh, I'm not afraid of confrontation. I'm not afraid of anything really in my life. I'm I'm not afraid to die. I don't care if I get killed tomorrow. I'm not afraid of that. So the biggest thing for me is if I get involved in that is let's just say hurting the other person, not hurting, killing them. If you're going to get into a fight, and what I mean by that is if you're going to get into a fight, so obviously you're go with your hands or whatever. But let's just say you was gonna uh, you're out with your girl. And uh, Conor McGregor, someone like that, but knows how to fight like him, right? He's with four other MMA guys, and they come up to you, and they're uh, disrespecting your girl. How are you going to win, right? You're going to win. You know how you're going to win. You're going you're gonna to get a weapon, whether it's a gun, you know, machete, a knife, something, right? You're going to win. You're going to think in your head, because you're a street guy, these guys are abusing my girl with me being right here. Oh, no, that's not happening. But they're MMA guys, right? How do I win this? Well, I go in my car, I get my gun, and I'm going to come and shoot him. Or I go get a machete, and I start trying to hack their arms off or whatever, right? That's how your mentality is going to be. Now, when you do that, what happens to you? It's all over the news it's that you fucking over. chop Conor McGregor's head off and, or arm off. And, and one of his friends, you fucking cut his hand off. And, and next thing you know, you're going to prison. Isn't that the biggest fear right there? The fact you might. OK, so let's just say you missed trying to stab him, but they knocked you out and they hurt you bad. And you ended up in hospital. Either way, it's a bad situation. But the worst situation for me is the way I look at things is is they're going to end up getting it because how are you going to would you would you fight Conor McGregor straight up? You know what I mean? You're going to use a weapon. You know what I mean? I'm talking somebody that's in that situation. Like say there's three guys, you're going to fight, you know, accordingly. So you it's just a no-win situation and uh, I think
0: Well there is a win there is a win to it when we when we learn through experience and in life. The right way to do it, and this would be logically speaking, but you know, sometimes the way we were speaking, egos get in the way. The right thing to do would be to say, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way and walk away. And if you were with the right girl, she would respect you for that. But if a girl would want you to fight oh. all four of them they're not, that's not the girl you want to be Absolutely. With. And that's, and that's the problem of the past. No. The past was hanging with bad people like that, that would like a girl that would expect you to either stand up for, or get the ever shit kicked out of you and get embarrassed in front of everybody. Right. That's not somebody you should be around. Right. Somebody you should be around is be like, when you go, when you want, but you other, didn't grow guys, up like sorry. that.
1: You didn't grow up like that. No. And I, and, no. And, and, and I'm still not like that. So, so you have to program your mind identify the problem come to the solution and i and and when it when you get to that position right know the 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 circumstances where it's going to lead to you know the cause and effect okay this is the cause if i do this, this and it's going to lead to the effect so so you're 100 percent right it's like walking away if you can program that in your mind and Getting that in your instilled in your head is the always the best way. And that's why I bring back to the shit with the violence in the uh organized crime ways. You know, the uh the violence is no good. You notice they're not killing anybody in organized crime no more.
0: Well, not the Italian mafia, but like this is what people don't understand, is like there's so many different types of mafia and like there is violent mafias now you know like Ooh. you know you take like there's there, there's russian it's like yeah but saying, name one like, oh, where the
1: where's the russian they're not they're not existing in the united states that they're killing people and, and, and no like, I'm, I'm
0: talking about i'm talking about
1: oh, oh, I, 100% yeah, yeah 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 that's worldwide right exactly the, they, actually the the mafia you don't even it's not even called the mafia is worldwide the camorra and the fucking the are bigger than the cosa nostra and they're worldwide and there, but they're still it, still when I when I bring that up, it's still ninety nine percent business. You might see a guy dead here or a guy dead there, but it's still business. Those guys are those are the real business guys right there. Those guys right there that I just said that are doing it the right way.
0: So, um, getting back on like getting on on subject of you know people that don't know your history. So, you're 16 years, about 16 years old, you started getting into organized crime, right? Yeah. And, um, eventually led you up into going into um, the Genovese crime family. Do you, would you, uh, like, give a version of to the audience, like, you know, how you got into organized crime and, like, what, what it led into?
1: I grew up You know around those guys my whole life so it wasn't like i was and and i started becoming a criminal i went to prison at a young age i went to prison at 20 years old 20 21 years old and um i went to state prison so i got around some serious gangsters uh, a lot of you know i'm from massachusetts so a lot of boston gangsters irish italians we had our irish club italian club and uh massachusetts prisons it's like predominantly white were you know like the uh i mean we had everything that we needed in in that prison so i met a lot of connections when i got out in 91 i got into the marijuana business and uh that's 91 is when i you know i mean i was around the mafia my whole life since i've been a little kid my uncle drove uh the, the boss of the mafia around you know so i knew all about you know i used to go to all the places where the mob was there. I used to go all the wise guys' houses and the gangsters' houses. But I didn't get informally involved, me being like a, a street guy earning money until I came home from prison in 1991. Al Bruno was a soldier in the Genovese family of the Springfield faction. And he was a high ranking guy. He was like second underneath the, uh, the the boss at the time. And he was like, we were like cousins and he wanted me to be with him. I also had another soldier that was a psychopath type guy, and he wanted me to be with him. So I had two guys, but Bruno was the first guy to come to me, and I ended up, he wanted me to put, put. he wanted to put me on record with him, meaning like go to the boss and, and say that now I'm directly involved with organize, the mafia, the, you know, as being uh, on record with them. So in 91, that's how I got formally started with the mafia, even though I started when I was a little kid, not making money or anything, just being around them. But 91 was officially when I got put on record. But I was already doing street stuff at the time. I was already, um, I was a major marijuana distributor, major. I mean, major, major. And I made millions and millions of dollars selling marijuana in the uh in the early 90s up until 2010 when my last time i went went away um the mafia the organized crime was against that in my area when i became made in 2003 i'm jumping ahead one of the rules they told me was you deal in counterfeit money we don't deal in counterfeit money. And if you deal in drugs, you forfeit your life. That I was told that in 03. So people can say what they want about the mafia and drugs. But in 03, in my initiation, I got told if I deal in drugs, I forfeit my life. they will kill me. Um. So growing up, I was kind of like a, a unique. Version of the mob because I didn't need the mob. I was already, I already, I already was a self-made millionaire without the mob. The mob rackets to me, I made money, but not ten percent of what I made on my own with the marijuana and uh, other racket uh, businesses that I had going on, legitimate businesses. Um, but it was just. So do you
0: think it was net? Do you think it was networking? that like you got into the mob, so like you like you were saying, you didn't really need to be with them, but for networking purposes and to open up possible better opportunities, is that why it kind of Absolutely led to that, you not. think?
1: I was I was kind of like the stupid kid growing up. Like if I was smart at a young age, I wouldn't network. Now I look back and I would have said, you know what, I'm not joining the mob. I'm gonna keep hustling my weed, but I'm gonna network with the mob. And I'm gonna, because they, they had all the connections. When I met all the gangsters in New York and all the things uh, my guys had, the, the upper guys had, there was, you you had to be a, a, a moron not to make money with the, with the, with the connections that they had. So networking, I was stupid. My thing was I didn't network. I didn't need them. My, my, my thing was I already had nightclubs. I already had restaurants. I had a huge marijuana business. I was already a millionaire in the 90s. I was a millionaire at 27 years old, cash millionaire, where you could look at it, you know, millions of dollars that you could see. So it was like, what do I need? You know, but if I look back today, see, like what you said earlier, wisdom and knowledge as you get older, if I knew what I knew now back then, two things, I would have never joined the mafia. I would never violently hurt anybody. And I would have networked with them. That's what the smart, that's what all the smart guys did. All the smart guys did what you just said. They networked with them. You know, they listen. When you're the boss of a powerful organization, say you're the everybody wants to meet the CEO of uh, of a corporation. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, or, or all these big time guys. You just want to get to meet them because whatever you're involved with, they can help you, right? The mob was just like that. The mob had connections, but only where. The the, the small guy could make thousands, if not millions of dollars on the streets. Cash, cash money. So, you know, the networking of organized crime was where it was at. I was dumb. I was too dumb to take advantage of that. I was, because I was like, I don't want your help. I don't need your help. I make my own money. I don't need you. I believe that's how I ended up getting made in the family because I was self reliant. I, I was independent and I was capable. I was a capable guy. And I think that's what got me liked by the uh, older bosses in New York and also my guys in my area. They could see that I was a capable learner. I made lots of money. I was able to bring and network in other violent guys like myself around me, we are capable of violence, but we are also capable of making millions and millions of dollars on the street. So networking, no. For, for me, okay, so so the, what you asked me was, was networking, no. What it was for me was stupidity. It was like growing up as Italian in my area, the number one thing we wanted was, oh yeah, the mafia, mafia, be a made guy, right? So that was the ultimate goal. And it was at the time and era that it was still in existence. It wasn't like today. Nobody wants to fucking be made. Are you kidding me? I don't want to be made. It was still in the same time frame that, every, you know, and in my area, I had like one rival that was like made and, you know, he came from Italy. So, you know, I had my crew this was a way to uh, solidify me where we never had any issues and problems. Because I had a nightclub in Connecticut and there would be like, you know, patriarchal guys from Providence or Boston causing a problem. We'd have to go to a sit down with a, the boss of the patriarchal family. And so it would be, you know, they, they would say, well, you got to go see this guy. For what? What I go see him for? I own the club. Oh, because it's mafia. You know, if you're not made guy, they won't sit down with you. And then it, it, it came up so i kind of joined and then also i wanted i liked the the camaraderie of it all i liked the uh, the fact that we had a secret society it was us awesome. i loved that i liked that 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 uh you know that brotherhood if you could call it a brotherhood that you really loved each other but nobody loved each other we all hated each other and wanted to kill each other so there was like no it wasn't like a true brotherhood you know what i mean you're better off going out networking and creating friends and you know Real friends, but this was like a brotherhood where you know, any slip, this guy's looking to chop your head off.
0: But, like, but like you say, brotherhood, like, and like I told you earlier, I have not, and you know, this from talking to me from the past month we've been on the phone with each other, and it's like, I have nothing but the utmost respect for the mafia, and we spoke about this, me and you, is the guys now they they don't play by the rules so so there's no reason to want to be a part of that but
1: you know what though that's a, that's kind of like not true too because we don't know what happened back in the day we don't know if i and that's i heard it priest, did happen you know and what I mean? listen i know stories where it did happen back in the day where the guy killed the the the, the girl's husband so he could get with her i know stories where the guy I know for a fact, I'll tell you this for a 100%, Joe Messino, Joe Messino was uh, the boss of the Bonanno family. He was bringing up the wife of one of his captains to go visit them while the guy was in jail. And on the way back, <laughs> he was stopping at Old one and he was bucking it. So, I mean, that was a boss, and that was before he flipped and everything. So, I mean, I, I, I don't believe that's true. And in my area... Hundred percent not true. I don't believe back in the day they had any more values. I just think that they were more scared because of the structure back then. You know, I think they it, it, the structure back then is the boss. He calls you in. He'll have you killed. And, um, what a guy in my area. I'll, I'll give you an example. Good, you know, friends of my friends of mine growing up. His uh, the boss of the family was uh, Sam Kafari. They called him Big No Sam and he had a wife that was a lot younger than him, pretty girl, this and that. One of my friends, their father was fucking her, and uh, she was giving him all kinds of money. He was a, you know, This guy was like an up-and-comer wise guy. This guy was going to be the guy. Forget about all the other guys. This guy was going to be the guy. Fuck Bruno. Fuck this guy. Fuck that guy. There was the the grease balls from Italy. They were going to, you know, and he, his father-in-law was a high-ranking soldier in the Genovese family of the Springfield faction. Skyball Ball notorious, known everywhere. Anybody can Google him, look him up and everything. The guy was known everywhere, just like Bruno was known everywhere. Well, anyways, this guy ended up having an affair with the boss's, the boss's wife. They killed him. Dead, found him in the river. So I mean, when it look, when you go back to the old days, I don't think any I, I don't think anything from from the old old days back in like you know the existence of time, nothing's changed. You know, I think the mafia, like you said earlier, uh, if you take those old bosses and you put them today, they would to the last fucking two years. Done. Carlo Gambino indicted, thirty murders, thirty life sentences. Done. Tony Ocardo, same thing. Done. They don't last. They're not lasting. They were smart. They were quiet. They were low-key. Don't care how low-key you are, you're done. Um, Especially those guys, you know, because back then, you know, they had their own – they had to meet people back then and everything. So, yeah, so that's my take on that.
0: Yeah, just you know, modern technology with, you know, crime and everything like that, they just got too advanced and uh there's no way that kind of stuff would exist nowadays. I'm not saying that they wouldn't be able to pull some stuff off, but the majority of it no way. I mean, anytime, you know, you're making money, the government nowadays, the government's breathing down your yeah. throat. You know, they they, they they'll will they'll, they'll catch you in a heartbeat. I mean, they might not catch you today, they might not catch you tomorrow, but Eventually, you're going to get caught. There's no long-term shelf life for anybody that's committing any sort of fraud. I mean, you get backed up on your taxes. There, that's what desk. I'm saying. They you don't need you. Don't
1: need to be an organized crime figure. They could arrest ninety percent of United States, not arrest, but they can indict ninety percent of the United States, ninety for some sort of violation of like they just hired eighty-seven thousand new agents, right? How many guys, do you know, it's for a purpose. Right, but we know that, but how do you, how many guys, do you know, that are, are going to work and, uh, and they got a side landscape and business on the side. You think they're reporting that money. Those are the guys that they're coming after. Well, no,
0: that's what I mean. I didn't mean there's a purpose, like it's justified. I think it's totally when I, when I, when I see that there's 700 people crossing the border a day that aren't going to pay taxes because they're not citizens. And you're, you're worried about, yeah. And this, is exp- I don't want to get this into a big. No, no, no. I don't want to get this into a big political because you know my take on it. You know what just happened with my family and stuff like that. So, like the day you were made, um, you know how old were you, and like, was it like how Hollywood portrayed um, the ceremony? I mean, if you don't want to go into detail, I understand. But if you want to talk about, you know, is it like how they say in Hollywood? Because I'm getting mixed mixed answers. Some people say it is, and some people say it isn't.
1: I don't know what Hollywood. I, I never seen Hollywood. Any of that shit. But for me, it was, uh, I got made when I, in uh, 2003, August 11th. So I was uh, 35 years old. Um, I got made August 11th. August 12th, my daughter was born. And it's funny because one of the things they say is uh, if your wife was given birth, you know, and we called, you know, the family called for you. You had to leave her, if your wife was dying, if your wife was giving birth and we called for you, would you leave the bedside, you know, and come report to the family? And obviously you say, if you kill your brother, if we told you to kill your brother, would you kill your brother? And of course, yes, yes, yes. And uh, it's funny because my wife gave birth at 12th and it was almost the same, you know, I got made the 11th and she gave birth the 12th to my daughter. So uh, yeah, I got made in uh, 2003. It was a big thing for me because it wasn't a big thing for me. I didn't really care. Everybody says like it's a big thing. Anybody that was Italian, especially in my area, I'm from Springfield, Massachusetts, um, small city, but around everything. We you know, we're, we're, we're next to everything, you know, two hours from New York City, an hour from uh, Providence, an hour from Boston an hour from Albany, 20 minutes from Hartford, an hour from New Haven. We're around all these bigger cities. So if you're Italian and you were not a criminal, my age group or older or younger or whatever, your main goal was to be a made guy. So I ended up becoming a made guy. And not only did I become a made guy, but I became a made guy in New York City. I got made in New York City by the bosses in New York City Of the Genovese family. That's unheard of. You know, the guys in my area, like say the the Genovese family is the most powerful family there is. So they have uh, factions in New Jersey, Florida, Massachusetts. When a guy gets made in that family, they have the captain in that area, which is a Boston area. So let's just say the uh, New Jersey He's a boss in New Jersey, Massachusetts. He's a boss in Massachusetts. He's really a captain in the family, but he's a boss of of the um, uh, the area. Okay, so when uh, they usually have the bosses, your captains in the area make you. So if you're from Jersey and 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 me and you are from Jersey, I'm the boss, and you're I want to make you. I will have you come to, you know, I will make you in New Jersey. I'll get permission. They'll, they'll you know, send your name around, make sure everything is good. But we'll do the ceremony in New Jersey. I got made in New York City in the Bronx. So that was a special thing for me. It was a, uh, it gave me direct access. It, it, it made me the most powerful guy in my area. Because who's the most powerful family? The Genovese family. And who who cares who's the most powerful they're one of the five families they are the most powerful but let's just say they were not the most powerful they were second whatever right
0: they're the biggest they're the biggest too right i got made by the bosses
1: of that family what does that make me that makes me more powerful than their own soldiers in new york city because i got made by the boss in new york and i'm direct with him now so when i go back to massachusetts I don't answer to nobody. I answer directly to the boss of the family. That that makes me the most powerful guy in my area. And with other families also because even the patriarchs they look at the Genovese family as they're more dominant. And they, they listen, I've been with patriarchal gangsters. They fucking... Respect the shit out of the genovese you know the family. So for me, I got made. It was a good thing. It was a it was a bad thing in the long run, but uh, it's the ultimate goal. If you're a criminal and you want to, you're Italian. That's the ultimate goal. There's no other ultimate goal if you're Italian. What are you gonna do? Join the Bloods? I mean, you know what I mean. So for Italian, you're gonna you're, you're gonna join the Mafia. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a ceremony, lasted like 10 minutes. All the same stuff you've probably seen on uh, other um, news stories or whatever. It's, you know, the burning of the finger, which which trigger figure you pull to kill somebody, gun and a knife on the table, um, burning the saint in your hand, you know, repeating after the boss um and then explaining a couple of rules and you know that's basically what it is
0: the boss during that time like when you were in the genovese like that would have been uh chin giganti right no
1: it was uh chin giganti was the boss he was in prison uh at that time that i got made they were using a, a panel of bosses what they do is well there was there was one boss and he was under indictment, going to prison or whatever. And uh, then they started using a panel of bosses, you know, to uh, run the family. Um, that's when I, you know, came in. Chinjiganti was – and, you know, the Genovese family, they don't ever – they won't ever let you – they're very secretive, which is, you know, today, I mean, you have to be – it's like chess. You have to be way ahead of the game when you're making guys – Back then, they used to introduce everybody when they made a guy. So they would bring him around and hey, tell the Columbos, tell the Lucchese, tell the Bananas. we him being we this is a new guy we made. Genevieve's family stopped doing that. Then they stopped. You know, I I know they. I had to give my information. They they for some reason they wanted your information. I had to give them my uh my name, my address, my my homeland home home line landline, landline telephone number, I had to give them that, because they want to do their, uh, you know, I don't know why they even would want that, I mean, I grew up here my whole life, what are they going to discover by any of that shit, but, um, but they don't go around um, passing information like that, as to who's getting made, they don't introduce anybody, actually, when I was there, the Genovese family didn't, you know, really acknowledge anybody, Besides, I think the Gambinos. I don't even. And you know, back then, the Gambinos were going through a ton of shit too. So it was, you know, that's how they they handled things.
0: Yeah. So um, what are uh, what are some like futuristic aspirations that like goals that you set for yourself right now, where you're at at your point in your life? where do you where do you want to where do you want to be where do you see yourself in the near future
1: I see myself better than I was in my past better shape physical uh, more financially I want to have myself uh, i want to make more money than I made in my past life which is probably not going to happen it was just I made so much money in my past but I want to live the same way I lived in my past, only better, legally, and
0: uh, you
1: know, that's a, that's what my goals and plans are.
0: And um, you know, before we wrap up, what um, what are some words of advice you'd like to give, like a younger audience, people that are thinking that it's still a good idea to get into the game or? to take that shortcut to try and gain that success without having to put in the work.
1: I would say definitely for the young kids, young people, because we all know it's about the money. When you try to tell a kid, don't, you know, don't do this. And don't, they don't give a fuck about, you know, my situation and what I went to. They want to know where's the money. How do I make the money? And how do I not go to jail? And that's what I would tell them. Pick a pick something that you're good at. Uh, hopefully, legal legally, you know, legal law uh, where you're picking. You know, don't pick any you know drugs like hardcore drugs or any of that shit. Something, and then hustle your balls off doing it. Um. Network. Don't burn bridges with people. Always look to make. You know, if, if if you meet a piece of shit, he's a piece of shit. You don't have to become a piece of shit too. Don't burn bridges. Just keep moving <clears throat> moving ahead, meeting people, uh, trying to put the right people in your circle, grow the circle. You might not need them today, but five years down the road, You, you this guy might be like, you know what? I got you know I know this guy. Blah blah blah. Build your circle, build your influence, pick a profession that you think you can make money in and become the best at it. If you're not going to school to become a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that, don't even go to school. Don't take no loans out for any college bullshit unless you're becoming a doctor or lawyer or I don't know what other profession that you need that stuff for um pick a profession and uh it's listen at the end of the day it's all about money everyone wants to say you know money don't make you happy and money, they're full of shit. you know what i mean they really are i mean you know it's all about money when, when remember the movie scarface and i i i was talking with this badass girl too and and i was talking to her and i didn't know she she finished it she was a young girl he goes first you get the money then you get the power. And then she goes, then you get the pussy. <laughs> and the girl's the one that said it. But I mean it's true. Like you gotta get the money first. You know? You know, all these guys that get these beautiful girls' Instagram models, what if they didn't have money, they weren't they aren't getting none of them. I don't give a fuck how good looking they are. Girl finds out that, you know. Yeah, you're a good-looking dude, but you work at fucking McDonald's, or you 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 know, you, whatever. You you think she's fucking with you, you know? Then she gets this other guy, he's whatever, dressed nice, whatever, and, and he's, he's worth twenty-five million. So I mean, money is the key. Whatever you can do to to hustle and become successful, that's the advice I would give. And you know, that's going to defeat all the other demons. Think about this, right, Scott? You even said it. If you're got an addiction problem, what's the number one thing to combat your addiction? Is keep him busy. What's the number one thing to keep him busy? Making money. If you can if you're keeping busy and you're making money, that's the number one combatant. So you're combat you're, you're you're destroying two evil, you're destroying one evil and becoming successful on the other hand.
0: Well, here's the thing that you know to touch off that, I think like mutual advice that we can give the audience is me and you both know what it's like to make money and hold money in our hand i mean obviously you made a lot more money than i did but at one point in time i was making pretty good money when i owned my own business for a little while and um i didn't get to keep that money though i didn't get to hang on to that money so i think it's instilling in the young kids that make that money legally try and make it legally do the right things but look at long-term, the consistency of whatever it is you choose, give 100% of your effort and do something that's going to continuously make you money, not fast money that can be swept away from you. And then you're like, now what right. do I do? And now you got to start out. at the, Like, you know, it's not bad to start back out at the bottom to build yourself back up to the top, but making more wise decisions, you know, rather than, okay, like I'm going to pick this that's going to give me 80 grand a year versus I could be a drug dealer and make 200,000 a year. That 200,000 a year that I make as a drug dealer can get swept away from me at any right. time. I can go away for a while. And that guy that's making 80 right. grand a year consistently could surpass me and make more. He's I'm going to win the rabbit race. He's right, going to win right, the right. turtle race.
1: I mean, like yeah, I agree. It's like you, like you said, the bottom line is money for me personally. Like, like I said, the, 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 the crimes that I com- said are, listen, you're not going to jail for those crimes. I can I can prove that, too, when I say that. With no violence, you're not going to jail for the crimes that I said. You know, bookmaking, you know, sports bookmaking, numbers, and uh, loan sharking. With no violence, you're not going to go to jail. First-time offense, you're going to get probation. But you're right, 100%. Pick, a, pick something that you're going to go to jail, work your ass off, and here's a, here's, a, here's a key point. Keep your antennas open because opportunities are going to come. When they come, slam them.
0: Don't be afraid to take risks yeah. for the right reasons, but, though. You know with you the mean? right opportunity.
1: I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know, uh, they, 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 they sell you some fucking dream that's too good to be true, it probably is. But when you know that somebody comes to you with an opportunity, oh, I'm not missing this. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm investing in this shit.
0: I hear a lot of older people talking like I should have did this. I should have did that. I should have did this when I was younger and I could be this, this, and this, but those are the people that when they were younger, they were afraid to take risks and they didn't take the risks when they were younger. So now they regret it. Now I don't want to be, if I get to be that old and I get blessed you know, to be that old. I don't want to be the guy sitting in the recliner waiting to die saying I should have did this, this, and this. I'd rather take the risk, set myself back a year or two, and then rebuild myself rather than live with regret.
1: I agree 100%.
0: So don't be afraid to take I agree 100%. I,
1: I'm, I'm a risk taker my whole life. Obviously, I proved it by the stupid life I lived. But even right now, I'm a risk taker. I will take a risk. Tomorrow, right now, if you tell me something and there's risk involved, I will do it. But it's got to be, I'm smart now. I am i have knowledge. I have wisdom. I, I know what's, uh, I can figure things out. You got to come to me with something that's, oh, this makes sense. If it makes sense, I'll take the fucking risk. I'll go in. You know what I mean? But not some like like these stupid, like, like something with crypto. I made money with crypto and I lost money with crypto. The money I lost with crypto was the bullshit assholes trying to fucking, you know, tell you something that was too good to be true. And then the money I made with crypto was the hard work I put in. And, you know, I took an opportunity. I seen it and bang, I pounded it and I made a lot of money. So it's like it goes it it goes. The opportunity comes. Don't be afraid to take the risk. Absolutely, as long as it's not one of them pie in the skies bullshit things.
0: No, I mean, like if a kid has a dream to open, like you know, he goes, you know, he's like, "Oh, I want to open up. I want to open up um, a small takeout restaurant." Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to try it. It might work. It might right. not. But don't be afraid because there's a a possibility that you're taking a risk that might set you back a year or two, because it might put you in debt for a little while if it doesn't work out. And, you know, that's me, for instance. Like, I went out when I was in my late 20s. I went into a partnership in a business, and it set me back for like three, four years after the business closed down. But I know if I open up another business entity, I know that I'm going to come back stronger because I learned from my mistakes. I learned what the right and the wrong way to things to do. And unless you experience failure... You can't create success. Exactly, right. You
1: got to go, every every successful guy failed. And not even once, probably several times, you know. There's very uh, rarely you'll see a guy that uh, became what he became and never failed in life. I think when you fail, you, it makes you, everyone has to fail in life at some point. Whether it's fucking up like I did and failing that part or failing in a business and starting a new business. I agree.
0: And just, it's like, you know, you just got to come to realization that like some people, sometimes it comes easy to some people and it comes hard for others. Like, you know, I know some people that never hit a rocky road. They, you know, grew up in money. They got good educations. They followed, you know, the, they followed the narrative, followed into family businesses that were already created and really haven't hit at this point a rocky road. And you know i kind of feel sorry for people like that that go through their whole life and they didn't experience a failure or they didn't hit a struggle because later on in life when that day comes cuz that like you said everybody's going to hit a struggle eventually when they hit that later on in life like say in their 50s or their 60s They're not going to know how to handle that because they've never experienced it before. So that's usually when people at a later part of their life, like, you see, I fucked up when I was young. I'm happy, but I'm happy for that. I regretted it for a while, but I'm happy about it now because I know that moving forward, as long as I don't turn back to my substance abuse, I don't think I could fail again. And I won't allow myself to fail. So, like, these people that never experienced a struggle or some sort of obstacle, if they hit an obstacle or a struggle down the road... I mean, you know, they're pretty much
1: fucked. 100%. And let me just tell you this. My life growing up was kind of like, you know, I had a successful family, so I didn't have to worry about food and shelter and a place to live. And But I, I still didn't have my own money. Anyways, I made my own money. I made millions of dollars. I never, ever suffered in my life. Like, I went through bad times, like we all do. Loss of my, I lost my aunt. Maybe that was a bad time. Um, but for me to say I suffered, I never suffered. I never had a sleepless night in my life. When I went to jail in two thousand and ten, I faced the death penalty. I still didn't have a sleepless night. I slept. Sl- and I, I, I murdered people. I've done bad things in life. So I never had a sleepless night. I'm, I'm being honest. When I put my head on the pillow, I slept. But it's like you just said, you're going to go through hard times. Hard times don't mean like I could handle hard times. Like somebody said, oh, you killed somebody. How do you, you know, I could deal with that. Maybe 80, 90% of the people couldn't. Okay, so I could. But when it comes to breakups and relationships, when it comes to that type of stuff, you're going to deal with hard times in your life eventually and i dealt with it while i was in prison this last time and let me tell you something, it's a motherfucker i mean i don't give a fuck i was in my 40s and i dealt with it it's a, it, it's a fucking as sharp as i thought i was i was a made guy i was i was a millionaire i was this i was that you ain't if you it's like when you lose your parent if you lost your father somebody could come up to you and say my father just died Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Until you lose your father, you don't know what they suffered. You don't you don't know that loss. When you break up with a, a in a relationship with a with someone you love, you don't know that feeling. Oh, my girl broke up with me. Oh, shut the fuck up. Blah 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 blah. Until you go through it, somebody you love and you go through all that shit, right? With kids with this and that. Until you go through it, so you're a hundred percent right. You have to go through it and you're gonna go through it at some point of your life. It's better to go through it when you're younger in your teens. That's all I can say. If you go it's better to go through it when you're in your teens because that will create a better person out of you.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Most of my most of my decision making today comes from the mistakes I made when I was young. But with that being said, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, Thank you for coming out with us tonight. Um, I want to thank everybody that's going to watch this episode of Sober Sit Down. Um, I hope you guys got some laughs, some inspiration stories, and um, some motivation to keep moving along and not give up.